Hey, hey. Amen, amen. Welcome. Welcome to church today, guys. Super glad you guys uh, decided to spend part of your weekend with us. Uh, we've, got a, we've got a busy day, busy day. Uh, for those of you who uh, have been tracking along, so last week we had our marriage night on Wednesday night, had a great night. Uh, that, was, that was super fun. Um, gave some marriage journals away, had some prayer at the end of service. Great night. Yesterday was our very first men's breakfast, and so we're excited about that. I, I, I've had, I, I've camped before, okay, I've camped before, but I've never had breakfast over an open fire before. So we had, they had fire going in like biscuits over fire, not like biscuits in an oven, but biscuits over fire and uh, gravy over fire. Um, they had big coffee pots over fire. And so it was, it, it just had man written all over it. So that was, that was a great, a great experience. If you're interested in that, fellas, it's the third Saturday of every month. They told me yesterday, come rain, sleet, snow, or shine, they are having men's breakfast right here at your place church. So that'll be coming up again. And then today is child dedication. So if you, if you came prepared to, uh, to dedicate your little one to the Lord, um, they're ready in kids' ministry after service. So as you can kind of tell when I start to wind down my message, um, we will release you. Some of our staff will be back there. They'll be available to help you get your little ones. Um, basically, you'll come back in service, and then we'll have you come right up front here, and then um, we're going to pray with you. Uh, not just pray for you, but pray with you over your little ones. And so we're super excited about that. If you were, if you were here today because you got invited to a child dedication service, welcome. Uh, my name is Darian Rains, and uh, we, we launched the church be 14 years ago in April. I mean, here we go, right? 14 years ago this coming April. I think so. Yeah. Amen. Right on. So we're excited about that. But because of everything that we've got going on, we have got to dive into this today. This is, we're changing directions a little bit in our series. Um, this is part seven of our Let's Talk About It series. And we've been looking at relationships through the lenses of marriage. Today, for the next two messages, today and next week, we're actually going to change that lens to the lens of families and kids. And some people in the room might be like, well, I don't, I don't, have, I don't have kids, or, or my kids are already grown and gone. That's true, and I understand that. But here's what I also know. You, you worship at your place, church. And there's a lot of people in the community who know you worship at your place church. And just because you worship at your place church, people assume you know things, okay? And so they're going to come to you and they're going to, they're going to come for prayer. They're going to come for help. They're going to come for hope. And so this will be really good content for everybody in the room, whether you have children, whether your children are grown and gone, whether you're in the grandchildren phase like Tyra and I, we've got grandbabies babies now. So this will be a great content for everybody in the room. And I'm going to start by reading Romans 8 verse 28. The Bible says, and we know that all things God works for the good of those who love him. Aren't you thankful for scripture today? Amen, everyone. And we know in all things God works for the good of those who love him who have been called according to to his purpose. I think I was probably about seven years old when um, a little boy moved across the street from our family there in Broken Arrow. 
Um, and it was just him and his mother. And I didn't understand where his father was. And so I, I can remember asking my mom, um, where's, where's, his name was Ty, where's his, where's, his, where's his dad at? And that was the first time I had actually heard the word divorce. Um, my parents are, are still married. Uh, and so we've, we've been very fortunate and blessed in that aspect. But I, had, I didn't know that parents actually would divorce or could divorce. And I can just remember thinking to myself, well, who's going to pump the gas? Who's going to carry in the wood, right? Who's going who's gonna to paint the house? I, I just, I didn't, it did not make sense to me. You know, who's going to take the dead mouse off the trap, right? Who's going to do that? And some things, for some reason, I found out when I got married are just, they're just man jobs. And apparently removing the dead mouse off the trap is one of those. And I'll never forget that um, in Broken Arrow, where, we, where I grew up, where we lived, uh, there was a tornado one night, and um, my dad had got up, to, you know, because, you know, that's what Oklahomans do. We, we, we retreat when the weather's cold, but when it's stormy, we, we run right outside and look at it, right? And so my dad had got up, and he had noticed that um, the sirens were going off, and Ty's mother had picked him up, and this was early, early in the mornings, picked him up, thrown him in the car, and tried to outrun the tornado. Thankfully, they did. Um, but I remember my heart breaking for him because he didn't, he didn't have a father. Divorce is never really something that most families plan to experience. And there are different thoughts from a biblical standpoint concerning marriage, divorce, and remarriage. And unfortunately, a lot of that really depends on what denominational background you have that determines kind of what you believe about it. Some denominations believe if you get divorced, you're going to hell. Other denominations believe, you know what, it's just a part of life. Uh, you win some, you lose some. We're not here to really discuss the denominational beliefs of marriage, divorce, and remarriage. We do know that we have a lot of people who worship with us who have experienced that. And so we encourage you, just go see what the Scriptures say about it on your own. What we are interested in is we believe that God has a plan for you. And we're interested in ministering to those of you who have been affected by divorce and remarriage. We want to talk about blended families today. And uh, this applies to people who are fostering. This applies to people who have adopted children. In other words, there are, there are families, there are children in the home that may or may not be from your from uh, like a biological standpoint. Uh, you've got blended families there. And so there's, there's actually some great content here to, to be looked at, but, but you're going to have to lean in, and you're going to have to use the lens of, Lord, we just want what's best for our family, and we want your best for our family. Amen, everyone? So let's pray. Father, we thank you right now for your word, and we thank you again, Lord. The entrance of your word gives or brings understanding. It, it gives hope, Father God. And Lord, we ask for that understanding and we ask for that hope today. And Lord, as it pertains to blended families, Father, we just want to do this right. We just want to do this right. Father, we know that there are, with every family, there's a different scenario. There's a, a different list of, of reasons and circumstances. Lord, all that's the past we're interested in today, Father God. Lord, help us to be the best parents, the best grandparents, the best families we can possibly be. And Lord, we give you the credit for it right now in Jesus' name. 
Amen. I'm going to give you some facts about the culture we live in, and it's, it's not... It's not going to be encouraging at first, but just stay in the boat. Just like a good movie, there's a hero and hope at the end of this. Pastor Taylor, on week three of of this series, read us a bunch of facts about current culture. Um, Some of the things that he read is every 42 seconds, there is at least one divorce in America, which equates to 86 divorces per hour, 2,000 divorces per day. 14,360 divorces per week, and 746,000 a year right here in America. 60% of couples married between the ages of 20 and 25 will end up divorced. That percentage drops 24% if they just wait until after the age of 25. 60% of those cohabiting will end up married, living together before uh, marriage. Living together before marriage increases your chance of divorce by 40%. And again, this, is, this was not done by a Christian research team. This was actually done by a, a law firm found in California. They, they conducted this survey on their own. They funded it on their own because they were interested in real-time Statistics. Uh, Another thing that they found out was each liter of alcohol consumed raises the chance of divorce by 20%. If you factor that the average American drinks 9.4 liters of alcohol per year, that's raising the divorce likelihood of 188%. If your parents married others, or if, if your parents married others after divorcing, you're 91% more likely to get divorced again. And again, you're like, what the, what the, where are you going with this, Pastor Darian? We're, we're building a case here. Now, again, this is, this is, this is American statistics. Um, we believe that the church is on the rise and that people who serve Jesus can beat these numbers. Amen, everyone? Um, the Bible, or not the Bible, this, this research shows that uh, if you choose, uh, or if a close friend gets divorced, uh, you are 147% more likely to become divorced and 33% more likely if a friend of a friend is divorced. Uh, in the study of the University of Rochester's researchers said that watching romantic movies and having a conversation around it helps lower the divorce rate from 24 to 11% in marriages of three years, okay? So the, the girls were right, right? Watch the chick flick, it actually helps. But every year, one million American children will watch uh, mom or dad remarry or um, begin to co- uh, cohabitate, right? They, they begin to live together. The majority of these marriages fail, and very often quickly forcing half a million children to deal with the breakup of a second marriage. In addition, 75% of cohabiting families will split up before the children reach the age of 16. Again, not, not awesome statistics, but it lays a groundwork of the situation that we want to talk about today. Oftentimes, in divorced and remarriage situation, the ones we feel are least affected are the children of the blended family. And we may recognize that it affects them, but I doubt that we really understand what's going on inside them. And we know that kids are resilient. They are. They are very resilient. But according to InStep Ministries, which is a ministry that focused on helping blended families, this is what 
kids of blended families wish their parents knew. And so this is, again, InStep Ministries has compiled this data. Um, divorce is intensely stressful. They feel left out, frightened, and confused. They're afraid to ask important questions. Uh, they want to be reassured that things will be okay. They need to know how things will affect them and how they will change. They begin acting out their feelings instead of talking them out. And I think some of us have experienced that, right? Uh, a few children are adequately prepared. Children are blindsided by the divorce because they just assumed that the parents would work things out. Acute grief um, reaction to the loss of their family, particularly the loss of an absent parent. Uh, they receive little emotional or spiritual support from family, friends, and even the church. So we're paying attention to some of these things. Um, reactions can last a long time, much longer than parents actually realize. And here's uh, what we do know. It does take time. It, it takes time, just like anything else. Children take at least a year longer to adjust to the divorce than, than the adults do. Uh, with that time, between divorces, dating and remarriage, uh, getting shorter, children have difficulty keeping up with the changes that their parents are making. Long after remarriage, the children may still be struggling with the prior divorce and the loss of a parent. Uh, adolescents find it particularly difficult to adjust. In fact, one-third of boys and one-fourth of girls um, disengage from their stepfamily, spending less and less time at home. Some adolescents leave the family altogether, either moving in with uh, the other parent or with a friend or a relative. Uh, some of the other findings is they actually have a distorted value system, uh, poor school performance, school dropout rate is higher, there's a high delinquent, delinquency rate, um, earlier sexual involvement, higher suicide rate, a high rate of substance abuse. There's hope coming, friends, okay? Just hang, hang with me. When talking about helping children adjust to parental ch changes, Children should be giving concrete reasons why the marriage ended and why reconciliation will not occur. Like, they just need concrete reasons. That's what they need. They just, they just need to understand. They need to be reassured that both parents love them and that they are no way responsible for what happened. Children need as little change and as much consistency as possible after the divorce. They need to know as many details as possible in age-appropriate information concerning where they're going to live, who they're going to live with, um, uh, will they get to see each parent, and other important facts that, that, that are centered around this topic. And listen, I know that's a lot to consider, but here's something else to consider. Jesus was from a blended family. If you think about it, Joseph was not Jesus' biological father, though he had him from birth. And there was actually a time when he was 12 years old that his parents had traveled to Jerusalem for a feast. And in, in those days, the whole crew traveled together in a big crowd. And so they would move from one area to the next, and they had to actually travel 
various towns uh, to get to where the festival was happening. And in one particular time after the festival, they started going back, and Jesus' parents actually got all the way back home before they realized Jesus wasn't there. Can you imagine losing your child on the journey, much less the Son of God, right? Luke chapter 2, verse 48, the Bible says, when his parents saw him, they were astonished. They, obviously, they went, they found him. His mother said to him, son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. In other words, they were worried sick, right? Why were you searching for me, he asked. Didn't you know I had to be uh, in my father's house? But they did not understand what he was saying to them. Then he went down to Nazareth with them, and look at this, and he was obedient to them. He was obedient to them. A key part of his story was he was obedient both to his biological parent as well as his step-parent. But as uh, the Bible says, but, as, uh, but his mother treasured all these things in her heart, verse 52, and Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in the favor of God and men. Even Jesus was from a blended family. And even though there was conflict, it all turned out okay. And the good news is, it, it can turn out okay in your world too. Amen, everyone? It can turn out okay in yours. Let me give you a couple more examples of blended families in Scripture. As far as blended families go, even the Bible, in Bible days, they had to fight for health in their family. The story of Abraham, Sarah, Hagar, and Ishmael is a prime example. God told Abraham and Sarah that they would have a child, but time passed along. Sarah told him, you know what, here's my servant girl, why don't you just sleep with her? We'll raise her child as our own. Talking about an, an awkward, blended family situation, Hagar still lived with them. Come on, fellas, can you imagine taking care of two wives? Like, what? Right? Anyway, here's the point. If you read the story, Sarah didn't play the part of a stepmom very well which we've answered this question a lot when we're talking about blended families. What about when we have to send our child over to a parent's home that doesn't do this Jesus thing like we do that? And I know that's a big question, and I'll, I'll tell you what you don't do. You don't badmouth the other parents, even if there's a reason to. You just don't badmouth the other parent. And if you want to have a blended family that works, we cannot tarnish the reputation of the other parent. Again, even if there's something to say. In the case of abuse, um, there will be an appropriate time to have that conversation. You can have that conversation once, and then if they have questions, answer them as delicately as possible, but you have permission to be honest. Again, age-appropriate. After Sarah had Isaac, she had Abraham send Hagar away. We see this in, in chapter 21, verse 9. But Sarah saw that the son whom Hagar, the Egyptian, had born to Abraham was mocking. Boys will be boys, right? And she said to Abraham, get rid of that slave woman and her son. She referred to him as her son, not your son, even though he was just as much Abraham's son as he was Hagar's. For that woman's son will never share in the inheritance with my son Isaac. The matter distressed Abraham greatly because it concerned his son, right? We, um, 
we're all still kind of playing the part of this little family drama right here because the descendants of Ishmael are the Arab nation that we see today and the Muslim religion. So like we're still kind of paying a part of this uh, as we see some world events unfold. So is there hope? How do we make it work? Are we just going to play this, well, at least that's not my family, you know? How are we going to do this? Making blended families successful is, is the answer. There is hope. And I'm going to give you the answer right now. Number one, we have to keep Jesus as the priority, friends. We have to keep Jesus as the priority. And I know it sounds cliche for a preacher at a church to say, keep Jesus as the priority. But I'm telling you, you need that in a, in a biological family for it to work. We've got to keep Jesus as the center of our family. The scripture says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And let me pause right here, because I mean, we just had our men's breakfast yesterday, and let me just kind of tell the fellas, this is more our responsibility than it is their mother or our, our wife's responsibility. They're looking to us to lead. They're looking to us to serve. They're looking to us to, to show them who the real Jesus is. Amen, everyone? I can tell you again and again and again, when there is a family that the mother is present at church or is present at home doing devotions, praying, reading your Bible, whatever, the kids will come along for a little bit. But when they begin to realize that the father is disengaged from that process, it will start with questions and those questions will lead to actions. Well, if dad's not going, why do, why do I have to go? If dad's not doing it, why do I have to do it, right? And, and we've seen it again and again. But then we've also seen, we, we, we shared some t- statistics um, yesterday. My brother Glenn brought some statistics at the men's breakfast. It's like if... Um, and I don't remember the statistics. You have to give me to them after service so I can tell second service. Sorry, guys. Um, but it's like, you know, if you get saved, at, you know, and you're, you know, before 13, you have a certain amount of percentage of, you know, continuing on as a Christian, right? Um, if you get saved in your uh, teenage years, something, he'll, he'll catch him. He's in the green shirt. Catch him after service. He's, he'll tell you. The, the number one thing is, is um, if the father of a family finds Jesus. There's 90, you're, you're, you're 97% more likely that the rest of the family will follow Jesus. 97% if the dad would step up and just make Jesus the center of his life. And let me just take a, a second here and speak to some of the young people in the room. Jesus says, we're to love one another. This includes your step-parents. And I realize um, that things are not the same. I realize that things can be painful watching your parent begin to show affection to someone who's not your biological mom or dad. But the Bible still says that we are to love all 
people. Parents, here's my question to you. Do we spend more time with our own children than we do our new spouse? And, and I see there's a, lot of, there's a lot of confusing data and um, opinion out there. I, I was watching a Facebook thread last week. I had got on and someone had made a statement. And a parent said this, I don't care who I marry, my kids come first. And people are like, amen. Listen to me, friends. The, the best thing you can give your children is a happy marriage. The best thing you can give your children is a happy marriage. When we're talking about divorce and remarriage, it still holds true. They need us more. A lot of people think, well, my kids need us more than our new spouse because, after all, we did this to them. And again, I, I, was, I was reading after uh, Pastor Jimmy Evans, and he said this in his book, Marriage on the Rock. Work on the marriage first after the wedding because it's, it's crucial that the relationship between the husband and wife in a blended marriage stays the top priority, even a higher priority than the children. Why? Because strong families aren't built around children, they're built upon strong marriages. I'm going to say it again. Because strong families aren't built around children, they are built upon strong marriages. In order for any marriage to be strong, we have to prioritize it. We have to work on it. We have to continue pursuing each other and meeting each other's needs. This is just as true in blended marriages as in your first marriage, right? And one of the first and most important secrets of success in a blended family is to protect and prioritize the marriage first. Now, this is not saying you don't prioritize your kids. You do. But what this is pointing specifically to, it is that marriage is the nucleus that everything else is built around. Amen? This is especially challenging in a step-family situation because many cases the children will try to kind of put their biological parents against their step-parents. So we have to be careful about that. We have to show our kids love, but we also have to show them that we love each other. Keep your marriage strong. Keep your marriage strong. To keep it strong, you've got to act as a united front in decisions, specifically as it relates to the children. You guys okay? Yeah. We're just trying to help you. We're just trying to help you. Both the parent and the step-parent must not allow the children to, to play on their emotions or manipulate them. Man, that's good, that's good news if, you're, like, if they're your kids, if, you're, if it's a biological family. Don't let them play on the emotions. Don't let them pit one another, or you against each other. Amen? All decisions need to be made with both spouses acting as a team. This means the biological parent gives ownership of his or her children to their spouse. It also means that the non-biological parent must take ownership and responsibility. 
I'm going to say that again. So yes, I'm giving ownership of my biological children to you, but you got to take ownership. You got to take ownership as well. The responsibility to love them, to walk them through life, to spend time with them, to answer their questions, to be available. I have seen this work. I've seen this work in families right here at your place, church, where the children grow up and they, they look at stepmom or dad and they think of them as their mom or dad. Like they just have, they just, instead of two, they have three or four. And it's worked. Jimmy Evans says this, he says, even though it is wisdom for discipline to be enforced by the biological parent in most cases, the non-biological parent must be a full partner in setting up the disciplinary guidelines and in the possession of parental authority in the home. It's both of you together. It's both of you together. Another critical issue related to step parenting is treating all the children as equal. In some cases, it's yours, mine, and ours. And the tendency in a yours, mine, and ours scenario is to treat the ours kids better than we treat yours and mine. We have to be careful about those types of things. Even though all the children are sensitive to being treated with equality, there's a hypersensitivity when it comes to families and step-families. This is especially true where both the spouse's children from a previous marriage or there are children that they have together. All children must be treated equally. The best way for this to happen is for both spouses to be involved in the decision-making process. Amen. And this doesn't mean that every little thing has to be discussed. It does mean that the parameters and guidelines must be agreed upon and either, and either spouse won't act alone without the knowledge and blessing of the other one. Now, here's what we know. This is a lot of information, but it works. It works. Both parents who are actively building a relationship with Jesus and are actively involved in all the children's lives, it works. Another question we get is, well, what if they're not saved? What if the person I chose to marry isn't a believer? This is where you as a Christian, understand that it's worth it to pray for your spouse. Your prayer for your spouse is the strongest prayer that can be prayed for them. Amen, everyone? So this is what we're going to do. I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm actually going to pray um, just kind of a general prayer for those of us in the room who you, are a, you have a blended family. And again, step, step situation or adoptive situation or fostering situation. Um, but if one of you, uh, if, you're, if you're dedicating your children, I'm actually going to go ahead and release you to go get your little ones right now. So if whoever's dedicating children can go get your children, our staff and our ushers will be back there to kind of help you. Um, and if one of you wanna, wants to stay, you can. Um, we're going we're gonna to go ahead and, and you know, transition the service here a little bit. But in closing, let me say this. Let them go, and then everybody else can just look right up here. It's like a distraction. Squirrel. You know, so listen to me, friends. Blended families are a challenge 
but we've seen blended families and blended marriages thrive when both the husband and the wife keep Jesus at the forefront of their marriage and priority and also in respect for all the children. Whether you're on your second or your 22nd marriage, there's still hope. There's still hope. With Jesus, we always have hope. We can build something that extends far beyond the childbearing years and give our children the foundation to build upon for themselves. Amen, everyone? So I'm just going to pray. Father, Lord, we lift up all the blended families of your place, church, and really in culture, Father. But Lord, there is something to be said about families who have chosen to keep you at the center of their family. Father, we realize that in the past there could have, there could have been hurt things that have been said or done. And Lord, we're, we'll be the first ones to admit, Father, we're all growing. We're all learning. We're all taking these things into consideration, Father. And so, Father, my prayer is, is for everybody who worships right here at Your Place Church, whether they're in service or watching online, Father God, that as we keep pursuing You and we keep pursuing each other, Father, I thank You for the grace that falls on this family. Father, I thank You that there is a, there's a restitution that occurs. Father, we, we don't know the, all their stories. We don't know all the backgrounds. Father, what we do know is that you're real. And Father, we ask for the, for the blessing of, of the Holy Spirit, your blessing over, this, over these families. And Father, I thank you that these families, these kids will continue to grow up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And Father, when they're old, Father, they'll look back at these years as some of the transformational and formational years, Father God, that, that made them who they are today. Father, we thank you for that. God, bless them, protect them, and watch them. In the name of Jesus, amen and amen. While uh, they're out getting their kids, I'm just going to take this opportunity to um, worship God with our giving. Uh, there's several of you who were a part of the marriage conference uh, last Wednesday night. Last Wednesday night, not only, yeah, you can clap on that, amen, praise God. Uh, we've heard uh, lots of testimonies uh, come in from that and uh, lots of great text messages that came from uh, some of you who attended to Tyre and I, and those are always fun and those are always special. But here's the thing. The registration was free last week, and all the food, the after party, everything, we were able to do that 100% at no charge to our, to our church family, and we gave everybody a marriage journal, and I don't know how much, we, we got a discounted rate because we bought them in bulk, but we still was able to make that investment into the, into the marriages of your place church. And so if you were there and you got a marriage journal, hey guys, this is week one. This is week one. So, so pick the date that's going to work for you guys and start doing that marriage journal this week. But because you guys are so generous, we were able to do everything last Wednesday night 100% for free for everybody who attended. And I just want to say thank you for that. Um, we're going to go ahead and uh, just, 
I'm just going to pray for the offering. We don't really pass buckets around here, um, but there are, there are several ways for you guys to give. We'll put those on screen. Uh, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to bring all of, our, all of our parents around. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to sow again into the lives and into the vision and mission of your place, church. But Father, we're not giving these to a church. We're giving this to you, Father. The Bible says here men receive tithes, but there you receive them. So, Father God, I thank you for blessing every single person in the room who, who is taking the opportunity to worship you with their giving, Father. And, Lord, we thank you that you are a God who faithfully looks over your word to perform it. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.